I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Welcome in to another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner John Heyman. Uh, we got a great episode lined up for you today. Padres president of baseball operations slash GM, uh, AJ Preller joins us today. And uh, just remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. And now you can follow this show on Twitter. Uh, follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Let me welcome in uh, our guest today, AJ Preller. AJ, how are you doing today? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you for joining us. I, I got to say, uh, being at all of these games, and you're a guy who who likes to, you know, be behind the scenes. You don't like to make a lot of noise. I've noticed that you can't get through a full game any longer without fans approaching you. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure that's got to be a little weird for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a uh, couple. I mean, I think one is just nice having fans in fans again. So that's, uh, you know, period. whole stadium to the health really. And, uh, um, you know, so I think that, that that's a nice part of it. And I think it just speaks to the excitement that, uh, you know, that the Padre fan base has for, for, for this team and uh, for baseball, you know, being able to be back in, in, at the ballpark, but especially for this, for this team. So I, I've seen it. Like, I mean, I think, you know, it feels that way every every game where we're even more on the road. Uh, I think yeah. part of it is because of the, you know, the brown unis are very distinctive, but it just has that feel where, uh, you know, the fans from San Diego are, are, are really coming out to support the team and kind of get that sense from the stands every day. AJ, you had a fantastic, fantastic winter. I mean, you acquired Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Kim, brought back Profar, Nola, uh, you, you did about nine things. Um, uh, uh, Caratini actually was the catcher that you brought in. Um, are you? H- how do you feel about the win you had? Did you accomplish 
everything you wanted to do and how satisfied are you with your roster right now? Yeah, I think when we set out, you know, that the, uh, the beginning of the off season, you know, we get together with our, our scouting group and, you know, front office team, uh, you know, the R and D team and, you know, laid out, I think two main objectives, which was, you know, I think the, the number one thing was, you know, continuing to add to the starting rotation, especially with Clevenger and Lamette, uh, you know, being question marks from a health standpoint going into the off season. Um, and then the other thing from a position player standpoint, we, we really liked our position player group, um, but just uh, you know, to, to add to the depth and quality, um, you know, with, with, you know, a few more players that we felt rounded out our club. And, you know, I think when we, you know, we got done with the off season, we looked up and obviously able to line up with Snell Darvish and Musgrove and, uh, you know, from the position player side, seeing guys like Caratini, Kim, re-signing Profar. Um, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, we feel like we're a deeper team and, you know, accomplish what we try to get, get going for what we looked at it in the off season. And, you know, I think so far the nice parts just seeing the way these guys have blended into the group, you know, we, we had a, you know, I think overall like the nucleus of the team coming back from last year, adding a couple of new faces, they blended in really well. So sometimes you have that off season, uh, you know, those off season goals and, and it doesn't quite, uh, quite add up. But I think in this case, we were able to line up on some off season targets and seeing the guys fit in, they fit in really well so far with this, uh, with this current group. AJ, um, we're about halfway through camp at this point in terms of, of games played, uh, uh, spring training games played. What's been your early feedback or, or, or thoughts on, on what you've seen from Hassan Kim? Uh, it's been positive. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think seeing him defensively, he looks like he's going to be able to play all the infield spots. Uh, you know, he's, he's got good hands. He's got good feet. He can really throw. He's an accurate thrower. So playing the left side, shortstop, third base, uh, that's that's where he's been playing in the KBO, and and that that definitely looks like it's going to translate here, from uh, you know to MLB standpoint, and, and you know I think offensively with the bat, he he got off to a really good start in terms of his first uh, three or four games. He was squaring up everything. Didn't have a lot of hits to show for it, but hard contact, squaring the baseball up. Um, you know I think we've all known there's going to be some type of learning curve just just coming over and seeing the quality of arms and the depth of arms and just some different pitching styles over here in the states and in MLB. Uh, but he's, he's fit in really well. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, exactly when, when we look to sign him, I think the type of player that he is, he's shown that and really going right now and kind of look forward to, uh, to seeing how he, how he attacks the season for us. You know, AJ, I'm, I'm still fascinated by your, your winter, how you were able to get Darvish and Snell and uh, boy, that Darvish uh, trade was, um, has been received spectacularly. Um, and Musgrove, you added, so you added, you got three uh, frontline starters uh, for the team after get, having gotten Clevenger uh, last year at the deadline. Um, I'd heard that there was some point in which you thought you might get all three at the same time, Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove. Um, and I also heard that uh, the, the Snell and Darvish trade affected each other uh, that one of the players who was sent for Snell was originally going for Darvish and you had a substitute. So um, how was all that coming together? Uh, as it turned out, you got all three on different days and uh, not right next to each other. You know, uh, Darvish and Snell came in fairly close order, but uh, uh, obviously all came on different days. How was it piecing it all together? Yeah, and no, I think uh, sometimes some of these deals, you know, they're, they're one-offs and they're by themselves. Other times, you know, they, these things are, 
you know, not necessarily contingent, but they, you know, they, they, they're, you know, they, they play off each other. And I think, uh, yeah, I think there was, we were having conversations obviously with all three teams at the same time and trying to figure out what was the best uh, path for us. Also talking to free agents as well and comparing it to the trade possibilities. So yeah, I think the original, you know, at one point in time, there was a thought, you know, that we were going to potentially do all three deals, uh, really, you know, pretty, pretty much, uh, right there within the span of a 20 to 24 hours after we made the first two deals with Darvish and Snell kind of felt like, all right, let's tap the brakes and see <clears throat> what else is out there for right now. And, you know, also kind of looking at how this, how this plays out with, with the current guys we had on the roster and uh, ultimately we ended up coming back to it and, and, you know, had conversations really throughout the whole winter with, with Ben Sharon. I felt like every, every few days or every week we were, we were coming back to Joe, you know, to Musgrove as a possibility and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later after we did the deals, we ended up determining, yeah, we, we just felt it was worth it to go at another starter that we felt like had a chance to climb a rotation. Um, and then in terms of the Snell, <clears throat> Snell Darvish back and forth, there were a lot of players that, 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 that a lot of these teams, uh, you know, liked. And I think just a te- you know, testament to our, our scouting group and our, you know, our system, like how deep it was, but yeah, there was some back and forth on some guys that were in both deals. And as we looked at it, you know, rather than having to make a decision between one deal or the other, um, you know, we were able to, to end up doing both deals and, you know, you know, letting, 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 uh, letting one side know that, uh, you know, that, that somebody else we had, we had some other conversations going on and if we were going to do this deal, you know, this player, that player needed to be in it or, or couldn't be in it because he might be in another deal somewhere else. And ultimately we were able to, uh, to pull off, you know, those two deals and then eventually the Musgrove deal a few weeks later. AJ, you know, you guys are, are, are really have a lot of depth and, and really not just in one area. It's really across the rosters, a lot of depth, but it's particularly in the bullpen. Um, all of the, the, the lights flashing have gone, have been surrounding you Darvish and Blake Snell and those moves, but you bring in Mark Melanson, you bring in Keona Kella. Um, you got about four or five guys that, that have the ability to close. Do you guys want a closer or is this a situation where, you got to plan it by matchup or committee or, or will you use a little bit of all of that this year? Yeah, I think, I think that was, you know, I mentioned the, the, the rotation and then the adding to the position player group. Then we figured out okay, that at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the offseason, we'd be able to address the pen. I think like the focus for us was just like get as many quality arms and, and possibilities, you know, for Jace and for, for Larry Rothschild, um, you know, different looks guys with different experiences and, and, um, you know, right, right and left-handed. Uh, and then kind of we'll, we'll figure it out as we go in terms of what's, what's the makeup of the pen. I think every year these pens, they change, you know, guys are, yeah. you know, injury, guys get hot, guys get cold, guys change their pitch mix. Uh, starters go into the pen. So every year it's a little bit different and what your team needs is a little different. So, you know, I think the same thing with the structure of the bullpen. So I think you kind of have to get a feel for that. Um, and I think all we've really focused on is keep getting quality options with some different looks, guys that can go longer, shorter, different pitch mixes, and then give them to Jason Larry and they'll kind of figure it out. And we have some guys that have experience closing games, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I think, well, that, that, that's what we've been using spring training for is kind of seeing, uh, seeing you know, exactly what the, what the mix and structure is, you know, from a bullpen standpoint. And I think for us, we've got six or seven guys that are throwing the ball well, and, and, and we'll kind of figure out those roles here as we go. You mentioned before uh, when we were talking about uh, acquiring Snell, Darvish, and Musgrove that you looked at the free agents, and obviously there was one big free agent, and that's uh, Trevor Bauer, and he ended up with your 
main rival, uh, the Dodgers. Um, and I don't know whether we had uh, Andrew Friedman on a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he didn't say that it was a response to everything you had done. But certainly, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, became a much more uh, competitive, uh, formidable uh, foe for him by uh, acquiring all that you did acquire. So um, I know you investigate everything anyway. So I want to check with you on uh, what was your um, discussion with uh, Bauer like? Did you make an attempt? Did you ever feel you had a shot? Uh, was there ever any discussion with them? Um, and, you know, obviously it turned out well for him anyway. So uh, it turned out well for both sides in the end. But uh, what happened there? Yeah, I think with uh, with Trevor, but we did have conversation early in the process with uh, with his agency and, uh, you know, with with uh, with Rachel Luba and John and and, um, you know, ultimately, I think we had you know probably two different conversations. Um, but, you know, I, I think we had a, a pretty, pretty general sense of where it was headed, um, you know, from a dollar standpoint and what they were looking for, what they were looking to do. And, you know, ultimately we, we ended up going the trade route at that time. So, yeah, we, we, we checked in and, you know, obviously it's one of the best pitchers in the world and, um, you know, checked in and, and, you know, had a few conversations with ultimately just fit our roster and our situation a little bit better. Yeah. I just wanted to follow up there for a second. Um, what, what, if I, you know, ultimately he signed a short-term deal. It was a good deal. I mean, they did John Federoff, as you mentioned, and uh, Rachel, they did a good job with it and got him a, an excellent contract uh, in a place that he wanted to be. I'm sure since he is from LA, uh, you're in Southern California as well, though. Um, um, you know, what, where were you willing? What was, what was the issue there that you didn't, uh, you only had two conversations. I don't, I don't know. Did they did not, did they not give you a meeting? Were you, were you far apart at that point? Uh, Cause you're a pretty aggressive guy. I don't think you let things go without thinking, you know, if you think you have a shot, you, you, you know, you give it, you give it your best shot. Um, so what happened there exactly? Yeah, I think, I think everybody was straightforward. I know from our standpoint, we try to, again, I think it's the reason why we've been able to make, make deals, both free agents with free agents and on the trade front is, you know, just be real transparent and straightforward on, you know, kind of what, what our opportunity was and, you know, budget, you know, from our budget standpoint, what we were looking to do. And, you know, so I, I think, <clears throat> I think early on, we had a pretty good sense from them that, Hey, this is, you know, kind of a different path. They may go down in terms of dollars and years, and just ultimately, you know, I think when we, when we, when we started real, you know, feeling that we could acquire Darvish and, and Snell and potentially Musgrove at price points that, uh, you know, are never easy to do, but we felt like it was something we would do that that's going to pivoted and, and went that direction. And we didn't really get that, uh, you know, as far down the road with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with, with Rachel and John and, you know, I think also too, in that, in their case, I think we, we, we knew he was going to take his time to make the decision and we just didn't want to get left uh, left end, you know, with without having addressed our starting pitching. We felt like it was important enough to uh, we needed to have some decisions. And when we had some some pieces that were on the table that we knew we could acquire that we think very highly of, uh, we went, we just went ahead and made those deals. AJ, I want to ask you a little bit about some of the young starters that are are competing right now for uh, a possible roster spot. You got you got Adrian Mordejon. You you have. Uh, Ryan Weathers, you have McKenzie Gore. All three of those guys have pitched in uh, in different um, successes during this this spring training. But the other day, Adrian Mortajon pitched uh, what a lot of people thought was his best outing uh, since putting on a, on a Padre uniform. What'd you see from another day that that stood out? 
Yeah, I mean, he's always been a premium talent. You know, I mean, I think dating back, you know, 15 U World Championships, you know, as a 15 year old, he went up against Team USA and, you know, pretty much dominated those guys. And, you know, he's, he's been that guy throughout the minor leagues as a prospect. And then, you know, into last year. And it's just continuing to, to get more and more consistent with his command. He's got a great pitch mix, all of his pitches you know, can be, uh, can be plus weapons for him, you know, with uh, the fastball slider curveball and change up. So to have a lefty that throws, you know, uh, you know, mid to upper nineties with four, you know, secondary pitches, um, you know, I think for him, he just continues, just, uh, just continues to harness his command and getting sharper and sharper. And, uh, you know, yeah, the other day he, he was, he was very sharp for three innings and, uh, just kind of continuing to repeat that. And, uh, that's, that's what we keep asking, you know, in terms of, you know, can you go out there and, and keep repeating that? And hopefully that's, uh, that's what he's building up for here, uh, the next couple of weeks and into the season. Um, is, I, I want to follow up on what Tony just asked. Is it more hone, uh, um, likely to be a fifth starter to start things the way he's uh, pitched so far in spring. And, um, obviously Mackenzie Gore is one of the top, uh, prospects. You've done a fantastic job, uh, gathering prospects and that was i think reason number one why why you were able to make so many good trades already but uh, mckenzie gore is one of the top prospects in the game um do you expect we expect to see him at some point this year and uh, weather is also a very talented guy i covered his father uh aging myself there with the yankees um he showed a little bit there in the playoffs and i'm wondering what we're going to see from him this year as well so i'm um, interesting on following up on more home and also gore and weathers uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think a lot of all three lefty, um, you know, and I think for us, uh, the, the key word is competition, you know, and I think we've, you know, we've, we've shown as an organization, you know, whether it's with, with Chris Paddock or Fernando Tatis or Nick Margavishis or Joey Lucchese, if guys come in and they, they, they check the parts of the player plan that we put in front of them and they, you know, they can perform and, and feel like they're ready to pitch at the big league level, we'll give them opportunity and, um, you know, I think with those three lefties you mentioned, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've told them don't, don't play GM, you know, don't, don't kind of look at the roster and try to figure it out. We're going to need a lot of starters and a lot of quality pitchers to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, if we're going to be a successful team this year and, and pitch into October. So just keep focusing on things they can control, keep pitching well, keep learning, keep growing. They've all, uh, you know, they've all performed well so far here in spring training. So, you know, I think they'll continue to compete and then we'll sit down here in the next couple of weeks and see what's best for them, you know, see where they're at in their development curve and then see what's best for our team and looking at the, uh, you know, the, the current roster and trying to figure out what's the best thing possible. And all three of those guys are, you know, right now have a chance to, uh, to, to break with the club. We'll just see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. Given all of the offseason moves that you've made, AJ, if something arises in terms of roster and or in terms of need uh, are the Padres in position to still make a move come deadline time if that is what's needed yeah I mean I think we'll like like anything we'll we'll evaluate kind of where we're at and you know we're you know we're looking again like I think we've we've been building this thing the last few years um you know with the idea to 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 play into October and win championships and I think uh you know that's we'll, we'll keep looking at that in terms of if there's an area that we feel like makes sense, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're, you know, you're always looking to improve. I think the good part for us is we still have a, you know, we feel like farm system wise, we're, you know, a lot of players that other teams continue to ask us about. Um, so that it's always good to have options. 
but we like our current group a lot. And I think, uh, you know, most likely a lot of, you know, I think our, our focus right now is internal, you know, kind of looking at the guys we currently have and, you know, on the board and, and in our organization and, you know, lots of things will happen between now and, and, and July. But uh, when we get there, <clears throat> like every year, we'll kind of evaluate, see where we're at, see how the team's playing, you know, see what deals present themselves. If we have something that, uh, you know, that can help us win the championship, we'll consider it. And mm. in fact, Austin and go from there with it. But the goal yeah, is to get better and build on last year and, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep trying to do that here as we, uh, as we get into the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Tony asked you if there was uh, actually more room to do even more. Uh, I'm shocked that uh, you were able to do this much. I remember the days when uh, Headley and uh, Carlos Quentin were too expensive for the Padres. Now you've signed two $300 million contracts uh, with Machado and Tatis. And obviously Hosmer was pricey and uh, brought in all these stars, Darvish, Snell. And uh, certainly the payroll is, is up um, from where it was considerably. Um, are you... What's your reaction to what ownership has done uh, here? Uh, we, when you came to them and said, let's try to do this, are you surprised that, uh, you know, I mean, the Padres are not uh, in the top uh, t- tier of teams in terms of revenue, that the ownership was willing to do that. And now that you have your roster, you know, we had Friedman on a couple of weeks ago, as I told you, and we, Tony and I both said you were the clear winner this offseason, but we both said that the Dodgers on paper – uh, still look like the best team in baseball and that you guys are right there in the, in the top, certainly top two, three or four. Uh, but uh, w- w- how do you assess the whole thing? And um, are you a little surprised that they were willing to go uh, to this extent to, uh, uh, to do your vision? Uh, no, I mean, I think really from, from, uh, from day one, when you <clears throat> sat down and, you know, interviewed for the job, for this job and got the job. Um, you know, I think as important as anything was, you know, Ron Fowler, Peter Seidler, they're very unique. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, you know, to me, they're very unique as owners in the game. And, and the biggest thing is they, they want to win. They want to, they want to do it in a smart fashion, intelligent fashion. And they don't want to just have one blip of, you know, one year, like last year, where we perform well for a period of time. They want it to be a year in year out thing. And, you know, I think they've shown whether it's investing in the farm system, investing in, you know, uh, bringing in talented individuals from a scouting standpoint and, and treating those employees well. Um, you know, and then obviously I think what we've shown is with some production, I, I think, you know, as part of, you know, as part of building and growing and trying to win a championship at the big league level, they've shown they'll invest at the big league level, you know, with Hosmer, Machado, um, you know, the Tatis extension, and then obviously continuing to increase the payroll. So, Again, I think every every situation is going to be a little bit different in terms of what the payroll number is and what the year is. Um, but I think what what they've shown is you know they they've I think they're rewarding our group for showing that we've put a talented team on the on the field. And I think what Peter, especially this offseason, you know his focus was let's build on last year. You know let's let's go out and we have a team that showed us that they can play championship style baseball. Let's continue to try to to, to accomplish our goal and. Um, you know, and if that means we had to increase payroll to do it, let's go ahead and do it. So I think, uh, you know, long answer to that question, you know, not really that surprise because I think they're very open-minded and they're very competitive and they understand the game of baseball really well. And I think they, you know, their number one goal is to, to bring the fans to San Diego a championship. AJ, uh, I, I have to ask because as I, as we sit here right now, uh, this team is, is positioned, to, to really have a chance to, to do some damage. At, at, 
and part of that is, as you mentioned, being able to have such a good farm system. A lot of guys that you have in your, your farm system are guys that other teams want. As this team starts to have success, though, you're not going to be picking in, in some of the higher, higher parts of the draft. H- how much more difficult does the job become to keep the farm system stocked when you are uh, on a winning ball club that, you know, isn't necessarily drafting in the, the higher part of the round. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a challenge um, for sure. But I think if you're, if you have really, t- really talented, you know, player development staff and coaches, um, you know, there are players out there, you know, there's, it's a, you know, it's a 40 round draft or, you know, this year maybe it's somewhere in the 20 draft. Uh, there are good players out there. You know, you look at guys like Ian Kinsler, Portland Brown, you know, you look at guys like Mike Piazza, you look at guys really yeah. throughout the game, you know, that, you know, um, you know, whether, you know, that, 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 that come from all different, all different areas. And that's, that's the challenge for our group is, you know, go find players, go find guys, whether, you know, last off season we acquired Trent Grisham, who was a former first round pick that we had interest in as an amateur. Um, but then we also acquired Jay, Cron- Jay Cronenworth, you know, Tommy fan. And Tommy was you know, not, not a high pick and had, you know, been in a couple of different organizations. Cronenworth was a guy that, you know, was blocked by, you know, by, by some other players and, you know, the talented raise, you know, team and organization uh, that came into his own a little bit later in his, in his process. So it's like going to find those guys. That's the challenge all the time. Obviously the higher you pick in, in each round of the draft uh, you have access to, you know, to, uh, you know, theoretically to, to better talent. Um, but I think for our, our group and our focus, it's uh, if you have a good process, you have good scouts and know what they're doing. Uh, you'll be able to find talent really throughout the draft, whether you're picking in the top five or you're picking in the, uh, you know, in, in the bottom 10 uh, every year. So. Speaking about trades, I think that Tatis trade is going to go as one of the greatest trades in, in history. Uh, I know you scouted him and I know you scout extensively in Latin America. Um, it, it felt like there was a mixed um, assessment of him um, at that time. Uh, some people didn't see his speed and didn't see him developing into this kind of a player. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you saw in him and uh, why you made that trade? I think that was kind of the, the organization was a little split about doing that deal, the Shields for Tatis trade. Um, you, you know, uh, and you probably had to sell some within your organization to do that. Um, can you talk about that trade? And then, of course, how you got the $340 million uh, deal done. Yeah, I mean, just my, my own personal, you know, experience with Toddy, and I, I think we said that in the press conference, you know, seeing him as a you know, 14-year-old player. And, and, again, like some of those guys, it's like sometimes you see a freshman or sophomore in high school when they're playing against other guys that are, you know, that, that are being looked at as seniors. You know, just building history, and I think at that time, you know, my only, you know, my impression of him was that he was, you know, had, you know, was projectable with his body type. He wasn't, you know, nobody at fourteen or fifteen years old was showing the now tools. Uh, you know, that not, not usually, you know, you're projecting down the road, but it was a body type that looked like it was gonna, it was gonna mature and age well. Um, and probably the biggest thing that stood out to me was just his aptitude. The little bit I had a chance to talk to him and you know, it looked like he had instinct for the game and he had aptitude, which, uh, which I felt like was important. And then really like from there, it was just kind of a name that like, Hey, let's make sure we stay on, you know, stay, you know, have him on a radar screen. And then, you know, that's again, like when, when we went into the, uh, you know, the, the, the 2016 season, we knew we were going to, you know, be looking at, at trading some established players. Um, we went Shields and the White Sox had interest in James Shields. 
he was a target guy for us. And PT Young, who oversees our pro scouting department, does a great job. You know, he set out himself, uh, Fred Yolman, uh, Spencer Graham, uh, Nick Ennis, all those guys got looks at Tatis. He hadn't played a professional game yet, but he was in their complex for the White Sox in Arizona playing extended spring training games. And, you know, all the reports came back saying that he was a you know, high ceiling type player. And for us to get to where we wanted to go, uh, this was the type of player we had to look at. Um, that, that we have to look at and consider. And again, I think because they had, they, you know, the White Sox had, he hadn't played a game yet and because they had some other talented players in their system as well. Um, you know, we were able to line up on a deal, but uh, he was showing, you know, impact talent, you know, and, and as a, as a 16, 17 year old, you know, as he, as he was getting, you know, a little bit more mature and, and getting to that signing age and then eventually into pro baseball, uh, the tools as his body started, you know, expanded, his tools kept expanding with it and, our guys felt like he had a chance to be, you know, an all-star caliber talent. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was obviously the, the that. Yeah. AJ, um, I know you never sleep, so you've probably come close to getting a lot of players. Uh, I heard a rumor that you were really on uh, Soto uh, from the Nats who's developing into a superstar. That's uh, in his own way, comparable to Tatis as the two best young players in the game. I don't want to leave Acuna out, but I would pick Soto and Tatis as the two best um, first of all, are you getting any sleep now? And uh, second of all, uh, how close did you come to getting Soto? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in baseball, it's uh, it's become you know that that twelve month a year job for everybody, really. And you know, I think uh, you know it's again, it's 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 baseball. It's fun. So it's like you know, I mean, you're getting <laughs> you to watch baseball for a living. So it's not like you know you're. You're uh you're in like a tough nine to five job where you're you know you're you're watching baseball every day so it makes it easy to uh I don't even call it work a lot of times honestly <laughs> uh, but uh, in terms of Soto yeah I think a lot of times too like you know especially on the scouting side you'll you'll hear guys yeah we were on this guy or not on this guy in the draft it's like an easy narrative uh, but legitimately with Soto with Juan Soto you know our, our international director Chris Kemp and he had him as a number one player on the board he had a, and I, I think Soto I've I've seen. You know, uh, I see Juan Soto, I think, say this. I think maybe a couple of years ago around World Series time where he said he thought he was going to sign with the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think what happened there, we were also competing for Yohan Moncada. Um, and the way the international rules are, if we had signed Moncada at that time, you could go over the, your signing budget amount. But that meant for the next two years, uh, you were not going to be able to, to sign any players over $300,000 from a signing bonus standpoint. So because we were committed, you know, competing for, uh, you know, for Moncada uh, at the time, um, you know, we, we really uh, couldn't get to a point with Juan Soto where we would, uh, you know, we, we would view him as he obviously was going to get north of $300,000 as a, as a player. So I think that uh, that was where our attention went. And, um, you know, the, the Nats obviously were able to come in and, and, and eventually convince him to sign with them. So he was a guy that uh, you know, I know Chris had a lot of history with Kemp and felt really good about. But uh, again, I think it shows like there's a lot of good players in baseball. And sometimes I know a lot of these, you know, my job, like I've thought that, hey, we really need to do X, Y and Z. And, you know, you end up pivoting in your best decisions. Sometimes the ones you don't make, sometimes they're ones that become the second or third options. And that's why I think a lot of times we just focus, have a good process, hire good people, let them do their jobs, challenge them to do their jobs. And, you know, good things should come. And, you know, even like when we signed James Shields, you turn around and eventually that turns into Fernando Tatis. Now that's not going to happen all of the time, but I think if you have a good process, you keep finding other, other talented players that should, uh, 
you know, that should be part of helping you win a lot of ball games. And I think all those players you talk about, Tatis, Soto, Moncada, you know, they're all players that I scouts that I identified as real talents. And they've, they've obviously all, all turned out to be that as, as you know, big time stars in, 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 you know, at, the, at the highest level right now. Hey, Jay, uh, I got to say, man, the, or to answer your question, John, the answer is no, he does not sleep at all. <laughs> I, know, I know that to be a fact. AJ, man, we appreciate we appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Uh, uh, I'll catch up with you later. Uh, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate you, Tony and John, having me on. And uh, as long as uh, as long as uh, Luke Merton wasn't on this call, I'm pretty calm and mellow. Tony knows it better. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? AJ, take care of yourself, man. All right, AJ. Thank you, AJ. Bye bye. That's going to do it for Big Time Baseball. Remember, you can follow us at, on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. Uh, you can also follow Big Time Baseball uh, at RDC underscore BTB. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Until next time, we'll catch you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.